pastor, Pastor Melissa, ready to give the word. Let's give her a big round of applause. Fantastic. I didn't think I'd ever get the mic off Pastor Jacob this morning. Adele, don't forget beautiful things come in small packages, hey? Beautiful things come in small packages. Uh, it's good to be in God's house. And just the presence of God, that worship was absolutely incredible. The presence of God in the house, just his tangible presence is always uh, so nice, hey? It's good to come together. It's good to gather. Welcome to our onliners as well. The title of my message this morning is, How Much Does It Cost? How much does it cost? You know, myself and Jacob, uh, we have joint bank accounts and so we have uh, financial goals together. So big spending is always a discussion in our household. So whenever Jacob starts talking to me about the latest thing that he desperately needs off Marketplace or off Gumtree or at Anaconda or for the gym or for the office or whatever it may be, my first question is always, how much does it cost? How much does it cost? cost and and I want to know the cost don't just tell me how much we're saving I want to know how much is the actual cost because David Ramsey the financial guru puts it like this when you buy something that's on sale that you have no intention of buying or if it wasn't in the budget to begin with you didn't save 25% you spent 75% I think for most of us before we ever buy anything whether it's food petrol a car a house etc we want to know how much does it cost. We want to make sure we're not getting ripped off. We want to make sure we can't get a better deal elsewhere. We want to make sure we can afford it, right? That it fits into our budget, that it lines up with our financial goals. And you know, when it comes to serving God, when it comes to serving God, when it comes to being a disciple of Jesus Christ, when it comes to being a member in God's family, there's also this discussion about cost. And we go to the Bible in Luke chapter 14, put your seatbelts on this morning. It says this, large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower, won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. What a powerful yet confronting piece of scripture. Would you agree? Would you agree? That is such a confronting piece of scripture. Uh, and first of all, I just want to take note the context of this piece of scripture. Jesus wasn't speaking to his leadership team. Jesus wasn't speaking to just his disciples or an elite group of people. Uh, in fact, it says large crowds were traveling with him and he turned to them and gave this very clear and direct message. And he was saying to them back then, the same that he says to us today, make sure we count the cost of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, of what it means to actually serve Jesus. In essence, he was giving us a heads up. 
He was giving us a heads up. So I think it's important that we listen up. Would you agree? And the question is, is the same question that I have for Jacob at times. Or sometimes he has for me when I'm looking at puppies online. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Uh, How much does it cost? How much will it cost me to serve Jesus Christ? Because the verses we just read, it's talking about some pretty extreme things, right? I mean, hatred towards family. Hatred, uh, hating your life. Carrying your cross and giving up everything. Such confronting and challenging uh, words. I mean, I thought this gospel was a gospel of love. (laughs) I mean, where is the love? I thought family was everything. I thought God places the lonely in family. I thought God created family. I thought he loved everything about family. What's going on here? We back up a few chapters in Luke chapter uh, 12, verse 51. It says this, Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? I tell you, but division. From now on, there'll be five in one family divided against each other, three against two and two against three. They'll be divided father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. I need some therapy. What did I just read? I mean, is this Jesus really speaking? I thought the whole gospel was to bring peace to all people on earth. What's going on here? You know, not long after I got saved and healed and set free from drug addiction uh, and I completed a rehabilitation program in Esperance, I moved back to Perth. And I moved in with my father and my stepmother for a period of six months while I saved enough money uh, to get a place of my own. And um, I was 28 years of age. I was attending church regularly, uh, two services per weekend, mind you, not one but two. (laughs) Uh, Life group, not fortnightly, but every week. I was reading my Bible, I was listening to worship, uh, music, etc. And my dad came to me to have a serious conversation. And he looked at me and he said, he said, I feel as if I can help save you from drug addiction, but I can't save you from this God. And you know, this was a clever guy. I mean, my dad ran his own business his entire life. He, he, he wasn't, he was a smart guy, he, but he thought I needed saving from God. He thought I needed saving from God. And I tried to explain my uh, commitment and my devotion to this newfound faith that I had, you know, this experience and this encounter that I had had with God, but he just didn't get it. And I think I know why, because it talks about in the Bible where the devil blinds the minds of those that don't believe. They just can't see it. There's, there's, there's a veil over their face. They're blinded. They cannot see it. It talks about it in 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. It says this, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. That's what we're dealing with. It's, it's a greater battle that is taking place. It's a fight in the spiritual realm. That's why we need to be praying on our knees praying, praying and then praying some more. It's a fight against the spirit of darkness and the spirit of light. It's a greater battle at play here. However, God calls us as believers to stand our ground. He calls us to stand our ground. You know, for me, it caused some division and some friction within our household. But we had to come to a place where we just agreed to disagree. 
Sometimes you have to come to that place, right, where you just agree to disagree. And so what Jesus is saying here is that the cost to serve him could create some division. It could create some conflict within your life. It could cost you relationally. That's what he's saying here. Jesus was saying, to serve me, you have to love me more than your own family. You have to love me more than your own husband. You have to love me more than your own wife, more than your own children. That's what he is saying here. In essence, nothing should come between us and following Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying. Nothing should come between to count the cost because it could get hard. You could be misunderstood. Who's been misunderstood? (laughs) Hey? It could create some issues that you'll need to work through, like myself and my dad had to work through and have conversations till we got to a place where we agreed to disagree. There could be some conflict. There could be some division. You know, for myself and Jacob, part of following Jesus was being in God's house on a Sunday morning. Since we got saved, an absolute non-negotiable It just wasn't a discussion that we were planted in God's house. And so for me, for my family, they struggled with this at first. You know, my family was big on barbecues and picnics on a Sunday morning. And and so at first they struggled a little bit, but now it's not even a discussion. They know uh, family events are rarely planned now on a Sunday morning, and if they are, they know that we love them, but we're just unable to attend. If it's still happening when we finish church, we'll swing by later. And that's what we've had to come to. Did it create some division or some conflict or some conversations at first? Sure. But there were conversations we were willing to have because this was our new life in Jesus. This was our stake in the ground. This is the bloodline that has been drawn and this is a decision that we had made. Our kids are our priority. However, they know that we serve Jesus with everything we have. And for me, I'm close to my family. Don't get me wrong. It's not like there's all this division and conflict. I'm super close to my sisters, my mum, etc. My dad's not with us anymore. But I know that he got to a place where he, was, he could see what God was doing in my life, in, in our lives, in, in, in my family's life. But it was a decision that we needed to make. You know, I read recently... Um, something that I absolutely love and it says this it says uh, God calls us to carry our cross not drag our cross Uh, he said he went on to say if you're going to serve the Lord let's serve him with joy let's serve him with joy God calls us to carry our cross not drag our cross and you know I think it's easy to lose our joy in serving the Lord particularly in the mundane you know, we forget possibly why we're doing what we do. In Romans 12, 11, it says, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. And I think at times we tend to drag our cross, I love that, uh, and lose our zeal when we can't be bothered perhaps in being faithful in the little. You know, God calls us to be faithful in the little. And sometimes we can lose it when we think it doesn't matter. We think it's no big deal. We think that we've been faithful for long enough. Who's ever decided they've been faithful for long enough? Every now and then I have my moments, I tell you. Surely, God, how much more faithfulness could you get? Hey? And I start to drag my cross a little bit. 
And God reminds me, I asked you to carry your cross, not drag it. Where's your joy? And sometimes we think we can skip over bits, you know, where we, you know, the mundane and being faithful in the little things and we think, I just want to skip over this bit and get to the good parts. I just want to get to the good parts. I don't want to be faithful in the little things anymore. Let's get to the good parts. And we get frustrated and we start to blame others and we point the finger and we think the grass is greener. We think the grass is greener. We begin to look elsewhere. But we know the scripture in Luke chapter 16, verse 10, it says this. And the team had to find the translation for me this morning, but I think we got it. If you're faithful in the little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. That's the Bible. That's Jesus speaking to us. Both myself and Jacob are in a building season at the moment. And so we're building a house personally and, uh, and we're building our church, as you know. Now, I wouldn't choose to do things this way. <laughs> but, you know, God's the boss. His timing, right? He reckons it's perfect timing. I, I would not choose to do it. But I'm smart enough these days to submit to the authority of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And so we're in a building season. Praise Jesus. Pray for me. I've learned a little bit in the last six months, I tell you, in, in regards to laying a foundation. And what I've learned is, is that it takes time. It takes time. You can't rush the preparation. You can't skip over it. You know, the, uh, every time I drive up to Narrabut, they're still shifting sand. The pad's been laid now. But I get I, I'm being told that it takes time, the earthworks, the shifting sand, the preparation. There's a process and it takes time and you cannot skip over it for the foundation for the pad to be laid. And so um, the other week we spoke about our roots going down deep. If you're here for that message, I think it was even short people can stand tall. Eh? And beautiful things come in small packages. But we spoke about our, our roots becoming established and, and uh, so that we can flourish and be all God's called us to be in God's kingdom, if you remember. However, the foundation is equally as important. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Its foundation on the rock. Laying the foundation is absolutely integral. We cannot skip over it and it requires being faithful in the little. Faithful in the little. Listening to his voice, being sensitive to the Holy Spirit, applying God's word to our lives. The scripture we read earlier in verse 29, it says, For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. You know, it costs to be faithful in the little. It costs to be faithful in the little. Layer upon layer, precept upon precept, line upon line, day in, day out, week in, week out, year in, year out, faithful in the little. Sometimes we think it doesn't matter. Sometimes 
we think it doesn't mean that much or we can't be bothered. I don't want to do things that way anymore. I can't be bothered. Or we're too superior or we're too insecure. And we want what other people have. However, we're not willing to do the work to get there. We want more fruit in our lives. However, we want to skip over the time and process it takes to build and lay a foundation. We want solid milk. I mean, solid food. (laughs) Solid milk. Ice cream. (laughs) We want solid food. Let's not miss the point here. (laughs) Focus. Nah. We want solid food. However, we can't even digest milk. And God is saying, let's be faithful in the little things. Let's be faithful in the little things. But at times it will cost you. And at times there is a sacrifice. It won't always be convenient. Have you ever noticed? It's not always convenient. A sacrifice is equals not convenient. That's what sacrifice is, right? <laughs> it's just not convenient. I had other plans, Lord. Have you not been seeing and watching these amazing plans I have? Anybody else in the house? Billy Graham, the great evangelist, said this one time, serving Jesus is costly, but if you don't follow him, it will still cost you, but it will cost you more. Missing out on joy is one of the costs you'll pay when you don't follow Jesus. He said there is nobody more miserable than a Christian pretending to be a Christian who really isn't a Christian. Ouch. But Billy Graham said it, so it's okay, right? Because he's amazing, yeah? Jesus carried his cross unto death, didn't he? Imagine if he didn't. Hey, He carried his cross unto death. It cost him his life. He said there is no other way. No, hang on a minute. He said if there is another way, but not my will, your will be done. If there's another way, but if not, not my will, but your will be done. That was his mindset. He had the authority to lay down his life on his own accord. God gave him a choice. He got given that authority. It says it in scripture somewhere. God said, you can lay down, he, I can, Jesus said, can lay down my life on my own accord or I can take it back up again. He had a choice and he chose to do whatever it takes. He chose to do whatever it takes. He chose complete surrender to his father, complete surrender. He trusted his father. He trusted him. He loved him and his father loved Jesus and he chose complete surrender. He submitted himself unto the father's authority. And so the question is, is what does this mean for you personally? The team can come if they don't mind. What does this mean for you personally? It means the answer to the question of the title of this message, the answer to the question of the title of this message, how much does it cost? The answer is, total submission to our Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. Sounds easy, right? Total submission to our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the cost. It is, I am yours at any cost. 
I am yours at any cost. Complete surrender to him, not my will, but your will be done. That's the answer to the question. Total surrender to our Lord Jesus Christ. It's, it's a complete surrender to him. It's a commitment to the highest possible cost, whatever it may be. It's assuming the cost is total when we choose to serve Jesus Christ. And so it doesn't matter what the specifics are, right? It doesn't matter what God asks you to do, what relationship he asks you to lay down, what team he asks you to serve on, how early he asks you to get out of bed, to read your Bible and spend time with Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if he's asking you to tithe. It doesn't matter if he's asking you to reach out to your neighbours and your friends to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter about the specifics because we've already decided ahead of time I'm yours at any cost. We've already totally surrendered our lives to him. You know, salvation isn't just about salvation. You get to heaven, that's good. But it's making Jesus Christ Lord of your life. And when you make him Lord of your life, that means he's the boss, not you. He's my boss. I'm not the boss. He's the boss of this church. I'm not. He's the leader. And we do things the way he wants to do them. We're led by him. We're listening to his voice. We're being led by his spirit. We're seeing where he wants to take us. We're applying the word of God. It means taking time to build your foundation. It means being faithful in your marriage. It means being faithful in your finances. It means being faithful in serving God. It means being faithful in his house. Sometimes it's just showing up. It's that simple. Show up. You guys have showed up today. Give yourselves a pat on the back. You showed up. You might not have felt like it. Your bed was pretty cosy. Mine was pretty cosy this morning. Jacob said, what's wrong with you? I said, I'm tired. I hit snooze two, three times. It's not like me. But we showed up. Those on team showed up. You had a hard week. You showed up. We keep showing up because that is the cost. We're totally surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ. The good news is, is this. I'm going to finish very shortly. Jacob left me lots of time. The good news is this, that we're not alone, that we have the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus left and he said, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. And so we have the power of the Holy Spirit to help us carry our cross. Whatever your cross is, your cross is different to my cross. But the power of the Holy Spirit gives you the power. The power of the Holy Spirit helps you to carry your cross. The power of the Holy Spirit helps you to be faithful in those little things. The power of the Holy Spirit helps you to keep showing up. You can never outgive God. In fact, it says somewhere again, you should go to Bible college, right? No, I'm just kidding. I am in Bible college. <laughs> says somewhere, I think it's Galatians, it's absolute stupidity to think that you can outgive God. It's in the Bible. Galatians 6, 7, there you go. We have a pastor in the house. Praise Jesus. 
I think Pastor Adele's studying theology. So I've got someone doing something, right? But the rewards far outweigh the sacrifice, hey? Luke chapter 18, verse 29 says this. Peter said to him, we, we have left all we had to follow you. I've left everything. Truly I tell you, Jesus said to them, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much as in, is it, as, as much in this age and in, and in the age to come, eternal life. I just butchered that, but you would have read it yourself behind me, yeah? I'm trying to say that you can't outgive God, that the rewards outweigh the sacrifice. So don't ever feel like you're getting ripped off because he sees and he knows. And I want to encourage you this morning to keep building on the foundation because I know you guys are building. You're here. You're building on the foundation. You're being faithful in the little. And, but just don't forget to build on the right foundation. And that's the foundation that's already been laid, laid which is the foundation of Jesus Christ. Make sure you're building on the right foundation. He is your rock. He'll meet all your needs. You've got a need this morning. If you're hurting, if there's pain, he's there. He's there. He's wrapping you up in his loving arms and he's saying, I got you. You know, it also says somewhere in the Bible that no one can snatch you out of the Father's hand. No one. No one can snatch you out of the Father's hand. He's got you. His hand's huge. It spans the universe and he's got you. Amen. Let's bow our heads.